0: Today, we have Perry Zhang on the show. Are you a multifamily investor or syndicator looking for a better way to manage your investments? Perry Zhang recognizes the challenges investors and syndicators often face when managing their multifamily portfolios. So he developed Cashflow Portal, a comprehensive software solution that streamlines the entire process of syndication. In this episode I ask Perry how Cashflow Portal handles various pain points in the syndication process. Listen and learn. I've had many people ask me how to get started in multifamily investing. So I put together a free email series that walks you through the process. You can get it by going to https colon backslash backslash www.dbprivateequity.com backslash passive income. And yes, you do need to include the entire URL, including the www. I hope you get a ton of value from it. And now on to the intro. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing, be introduced to the players that are getting it done, and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. A little background on Perry Zane before we start the show. Perry lives on the West Coast in California he saw an opportunity to help both investors and syndicators, and that prompted him to create Cashflow Portal. He didn't need to allocate his funds or his time to this venture, but he's an entrepreneur, and he's passionate about creating best-in-class solutions. Listen as we discuss how his platform solves various pain points in the syndication process. Now, on the show. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest. We've got Perry Zhang with us. Perry, appreciate you coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me there. A pleasure Absolutely. to be here.
0: So a little bit on how we know each other. Uh, we're, we're both part of the same uh, multifamily mentorship group um, based out of Dallas. Perry is in California, uh, but I met him a number of different networking events and then... He not only has he invested in multifamily, um, and we're going to talk about that, but we're, but he's also started a new software company. So I want to talk to him about that as well. So with that, I typically ask how many properties and how many units you're invested in, if you could share that with the listeners, but then also share the name of your company and why'd you start it?
1: Absolutely. Um, pleasure to be here again. Uh, so my name is Perry Zaim. I'm the founder and CEO of Cashflow Portal. I started off in tech, worked at Lyft, Twitter, Amazon. I was an engineer manager at Lyft. Uh, I started investing in single family, accumulated about seven of them before going to multi-family. And in 2018, did my first deal, 172 unit apartment complex in Dallas, Texas. Um, raised 3.5 out of the $4.3 million on that deal. And then 2020 did a 408 unit, Last year, did a 236 unit, and then this year did a 208 unit. So I have more than 1,050 units, including all my single family portfolio, um, and uh, four properties, four syndications. Uh, I don't live in Dallas. I, I live out of state, uh, but I have a really good business partner that's Boots Underground in Dallas.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> You've done a lot, man, since you, you, since you came on board, for sure. Yeah. Um, that's fantastic. So why did you, so the name of the company is Cashflow Portal. Um, why did you start the company?
1: Yes. So on uh, my first deal, um, I was the capital raiser and my um, partner is the boots on the ground, the asset manager. And uh, while I was raising money, uh, it was 70 investors, $4.3 million raise. I remember sending out 70 docusigns to investors. They signed it. I countersigned. I sent them my instructions through email. They send a wire. I put that on my spreadsheet that I got the wire. I send another email, say, hey, I got your wire. And then they like, oh, I invest 100K. I want to divide that 100K into 50K IRA and 50K joint tenancy. So that means I should have to scratch the old document. I send them two new documents. Coming from an engineering background, I thought that was extremely inefficient. And um, that was the first seed. Yeah, I want to automate this, or I want to make this a lot better. Um, at the time, I was still an engineer manager at Liv, and I was one of the early employees. So when I joined, it was 300 people. When I left, it was 3,000 people. Wow. So I was in this what's called a golden handcuff, so I never take the plunge. Uh, <laughs> however, that Because heard, of your
0: stock options?
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and then the following year, the 2020, we actually use a large syndication software for the 408-unit apartment complex race. And then 2021 is when I use my own software for the race. And at the time, I was still actually alive, and I couldn't disclose I own the company. My LPs were like, oh, I whatever you're using this year was better than what you were using last year. I'm like, that cannot be true because the other company is like a, a billion dollar company. So that was the impetus for me to quit my job. Uh, we applied to a incubator program in California called Y Combinator or YC. Um, and the acceptance rate is like 1.8%. Some of the notable alumni include Airbnb, DoorDash, Dropbox, Instacart, you know, Coinbase, and so on. So we were very fortunate that we got in. And, and then since then, we raised uh, $5 million. We have 30 employees now. And I put 999 percent 0.9% of my time into my software company which is to help other syndicators manage their deals and investors and not as much time on my own syndications.
0: That's fantastic. So what would you say, I mean, you, you, you used a different um, software application for, for one of your deals, and I've used several applications as a, as a co-sponsor mm-hmm. um, on different GP deals. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the, big pain point the big efficiency that your Mm -hmm. application um you know solved yeah
1: and by the way for the audience we never uh really sync up on you know this topic so i'm gonna ask you darren uh you are a co-sponsor on a lot of deals on your software do you need a different login for each one of the co-sponsor portals
0: yes i do yes
1: and then when you are investing as a LP, do you need a separate email address for your LP investments? I do. So does that mean that at the end of the year you have to log in to say ten different portals to get ten different K ones? If you assume that you invest with ten different co-sponsors.
0: Uh, let me think. Uh, you know, some some of the applications will will bundle the deals, so I could mm-hmm. be you know partnered on on multiple mm-hmm. deals and log in once as an LP and see um, my, all my deals. Um, but some of them require me to mm-hmm. uh, sign in with different emails.
1: So the email in which you use to syndicate is a different email from your the email in which you use to invest. Is that correct?
0: So I have a different email that mm-hmm. I use as the, as the co-sponsor and mm-hmm. a di- different email for um, when I'm going to personally invest. Right.
1: And so that, this is a classic example. So um, one differentiator, there are actually a lot of differentiators. One differentiator is uh, Casual Portal uh, allows a single email that allows you to syndicate multiple deals with multiple sponsors. And it is also the same email that allows you to invest as a passive investor on your own deal. So as a passive investor, that email uh, will... When you invest in, say, five different deals that use Cashflow Portal, it's a single login to see all your K ones in one dashboard.
0: So okay. I did see that. I actually had a deal that I was a co-sponsor on, mm-hmm. and happy for you. They they transferred uh, yeah. their business from from their you know the application that we used to to raise the capital over to your software mm-hmm. and. When I did that um, migration, that was one of the things I noticed was like, I was like, I only need one email. I don't need to have two email addresses. I, I thought that was cool. Yeah. So there's basically a toggle feature on the software that lets you go from investor to co-sponsor and back and forth. Exactly. And, uh, and I liked that as a, yeah. as a co-sponsor for sure.
1: And then people, you know, might ask, you know, where does that inspiration come from? Uh, it came from the Airbnb inspiration. Right. On Airbnb, you have a single login that allows you to tackle between traveling and hosting. Yeah. So um, I think a a great meta point is I came from a tech world. Uh, I was raised as a techie. I did not know syndication back in 2015. I was just doing my single families. Um, I was pretty, you know, uh, motivated to um, create, you know, a real estate portfolio. And that's why I started buying single families. And then after seven of those, I basically maxed out my debt to income ratio. And that's how I got into multifamily. Um, but the the multifamily is nice, you know, You know, but after a <laughs> while, right. you start finding your niche, which is my niche and my passion is the intersection of technology and, and real estate. So this is why a classic example that um, when we start a company, I was very adamant that we have a single login because it's painful to have multiple emails uh, when you try to get your K ones at the it, end of the year,
0: it is it is painful. Um, all right, so you you said like you put me on the spot. I have a few questions too. So yes, well, please. So some, some of them maybe you, you you guys solve, and some of them maybe are still in the works. But yes. Um, so I have investors that have invested with me as a co sponsor in multiple deals with different sponsors, and so some of them use different mm-hmm. uh, portals. Mm-hmm. Ideally, and I don't know how to solve this problem, but technology at some point probably should be able Mm to. um, It would be nice for the investor to be able to sync all those up, you know, Mm -hmm. regardless of whether they are with Cashflow Portal or multiple other Mm -hmm. hosting platforms. So what's your take on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, uh, this is um, some of the concepts I learned from technology world. And there is it's a combination of technology, business and so on. From a technology perspective, that's not hard, okay? From a business perspective, that is difficult in the sense that there's a reason that LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter never open up their API for each other, right? right. And so within the syndication space, um, there is a reason that, you know, you know, Resmond and Folio and these like probably management companies do not open up their API for others unless you're like a very uh, preferred client, right? Because data is important um, and so do so wait. So, So that's number one, which is it's hard to solve that problem. Now, so within that limitation, what does Casual Portal do to solve that? That's actually a second differentiator. Because your email is a single login for all your investments that you invest with the GPs, there is a button uh, called Investment Tracker, a menu icon called Investment Tracker when you're in the LP view. And then within it, there is the SREO information. So the GP will put in the SREO information in, in their site, and then you will get the percentages per rata. This is in contrast to the traditional way of doing it, which is they upload a document, and you have to put that in your own spreadsheet of like the percentage you own and then calculate your SREO. This is especially important for co-sponsors that need this feature, right? Because they may need to provide a schedule of real estate owned for the lender to get a loan.
0: But this now, is, this is for only only for deals that are that are raised all, all with cash flow portfolio. Yeah.
1: However, as a LP on that particular uh, page, at the upper right hand corner, there is a button called Add Investment. That's how a LP can add manual investments to make full of their SRO information. Right now. As Again, because of point number one, there's no way that you can sync directly, but there's a way to manually add. Now, what do I hope for is as more and more deals come to the casual portal, you can do that.
0: So it's not completely linked, but if I think about, say, my personal stock portfolio, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I use Vanguard and, and I have data in there, but I may end up having other investments someplace else. I can go to say Yahoo Finance or someplace and just mm-hmm. create a, a portfolio that tracks all the stocks and everything. That basically would would solve that. Mm-hmm. You you manually have to put it in there, mm-hmm. but they could say, okay, I'm gonna go and see all my LP investments, regardless if it's within cash flow portal or not. Right. And but you you'd have to have some manual intervention there.
1: Right. But that's still and- nice to know. This is actually a really nice journey. Uh, Some LPs put a bunch of uh, passive investments on there. That's how they keep track. Now, the nice thing about keeping track here is that you can keep track of um, distributions as well. You can keep track of your IRR um, and then even for deals that are not on Casual Portal. And because it's built on top of software instead of spreadsheets, technically, uh, which is a feature we will implement um, sometime next year, early next year, which is how does this deal measure up against some common indices like S&P 500 during the ten- same time horizon. I actually did a math. From December 2019 to April of 2022 is the duration of our first indication. We made a 94% return on that deal. And so your first deal also went really well. But How does that measure up against the rise in S&P during the same time horizon? People say S&P has an 8% annualized return, but that's not really exactly true. Certain years have way lower return, right? Right. And so I actually looked it up. S&P actually had a uh, 47% return over that two and a half years, and we did a 94%. So we're twice as good. We have another deal that's going full cycle uh, between December of 2020, to maybe January of 2023, which hasn't happened yet. And it will be very interesting if I look up on S&P what happened during that time. I looked it up from December 2020 to December of 2022. S&P actually only rose by 6%. So we got a 94% return and S&P did a 6% return. It will be really cool for the LP to like visualize, you know, which deals are doing the best.
0: That's very interesting because I think it's interesting... For um, new people that are getting in the space too, because like I have some, some investors that are like, well, not 2022, but in 2021, you know, their yeah. stock portfolio did very well. Yeah. So they're like, you know, why should I move out of stocks when, you know, stocks are doing so well? But to your point, if you, you're able to compare other LP real estate type investments and they're significantly better as compared to the S&P, you can point to that, you know, yeah. and it's not, it's not a, you know, overselling, it's, this is what really happened, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. so it, that's interesting.
1: It helps enter answer two questions. The first question, sometimes even for experienced LPs, they're like, yeah, you haven't experienced the 2008 downturn. Um, you cannot claim that you're a good syndicator because all the deals in the last few years did well. So like, there's not much validation. But then that kind of argument is the same argument that can be used many, many times. There's no way to prove that someone is actually good, right? So it helps answer even if you're comparing apples to apples. Because I also owned a Airbnb during that period, 2000, September 2019 to April 2022, uh, while I bought the first syndication. And that first Airbnb I bought in Seattle, um, we bought it for 875 k We sold it for $1.175 Our IRR is like a 28% return. Uh, by the way, this is like the best time in Seattle to ever purchase a single family and then sold it. How many hours I spent on it? A lot. Bought the furnitures, put it on Airbnb listing. So I did all the single family stuff. And then I compared that against the the... As a LP on my own syndication, I should make more on my syndication. How is that possible? So it's only when you compare apples to apples during the same time period can you answer the question like there's still an edge, there's still a delta over the S&P. And it, I think the second question in my answer is that it becomes more pronounced when it in a downturn. So as we saw during the downturn, real estate way outperforms than the S&P.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because I had somebody on the podcast that said they had an investor that wasn't in any real estate related passive investments and then decided to to get into one. Mm-hmm. Um, it increased by like 50% in a year, um, and which was amazing. But then he said, you know what? My stocks, I would have been that money would have been in stocks and that went down by 25%. So I really had like a 75% gain on the, on the money that I shifted over there. And okay. so that's extremely important. Hey, yeah. what about, um, and it sounds like you do this, um, but does, does the software have the ability to have um, co-sponsors versus these yeah. sponsors?
1: By the way, you can more than feel free to grill me with any questions about the company because <laughs> uh, we actually have basically everything. Uh, so absolutely. So the uh, our co-sponsors is really, really good. So the way it works is that every person has an account. A account just happens to have different permissions in different deals. So on one deal, I'm a lead sponsor. On the other deal, I'm a co-sponsor. This is different from say other portals that is you have to join someone else's portal in order to be a co-sponsor. The problem with that statement is that you will actually, when you send out the link, it actually sends out that lead sponsor's uh, logo on it. Whereas in our case, you have your account and that account has your own brand, logo, background image, your white label portal, but that account just happens to be a co-sponsor on this deal. So when you send out the offering of the deal that you're co-sponsoring, it still has your logo on it, but everything goes to the same cap table. So the lead sponsor can still countersign everything. And then you will show your logo. And then the next time you're working with another partner and you are the lead sponsor this time, well, it's still the same account, still the same logo, except just you have the permission on that deal as a lead sponsor. That's great. Now, why is that important? Because every time when you send out the offering link it's linked to your account. So you are the selected sponsor automatically. And when you're the select sponsor, a contact is created in your CRM between that investor and you if that contact has not exist in your CRM. That contact does not exist in any other sponsor CRM. So that means there's no way for them to email the investors of other co-sponsors. They don't even see what they are.
0: So let me ask you this because I, mm-hmm. I have had certain... Um, you know, there's certain walls that are created in certain Mm -hmm. platforms, um, and certain co-sponsors like to work differently. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so so some of them want to really guard their investors Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I'm like a handshake guy. I'm, I'm like, look, you know, just, you know, don't blatantly market all these, Mm -hmm. you know, to all the investors. If, if I'm not involved in your future deals, um, But I want you to send Mm -hmm. all the email correspondence of the monthly, Um, you know, I don't want to have to do that admin piece. Mm -hmm. That's part of the attraction for me to be a co-sponsor is I don't have to deal with that work where some other people, well, I'll send you the monthly email and then you could turn it around and send it to your investors. Well, I don't even want to do that, you know? So can you change that with permissions?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that's a great point. So we talked about on the marketing piece, the CRM, the content is not created in the other co-sponsors or sponsors CRM besides the selected sponsor. When it comes to deal level monthly updates, the lead sponsor or the team staff can create that monthly update, okay? And then what happens, which is magic. Uh, I'm very proud of that we made. And and we made this because I'm a syndicate. So I know kind of like what's the dynamic, Right. right?
0: Knowing the business. What it
1: does is that, the co-sponsors, if they have the setting as relate this directly to my investors on this deal, then it goes directly from the, the, the that email to the, to the co-sponsor's LPs. But then there's another setting which you can toggle, say, I want to review it before it's sent to my investors. And so when you choose that, what happens is that that same email does not get sent to the co-sponsor's LPs. It's sent as a, it it appears as a draft on that co-sponsor's inbox on Casual Portal. They can go in, they can change whatever they want, technically. Uh, They will just change the last paragraph to make it a little bit more personal or more like uh, personal for their LPs because some LPs are not all real estate professionals. So for example, that, you know, those depreciations don't mean as much to them as an example, right? So then they can send there from their inbox. So we provide a really granular way for the co-sponsor to decide where to, to intercept the, the email before sending or to just let it bypass. That's In your great. case, it sounds like you just want to bypass. Yeah, so I think we're the only platform that actually have this.
0: So yeah. let, let me ask you this. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. The contact is at the co-sponsor level. So say it's at my mm-hmm. investor and I give permission to send it to... You know, to the to lead sponsor. So when they send yep. out their monthly communication, it goes to all of my investors. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they get another deal. The lead sponsor gets another deal. Yeah. And ha- yep. is is my are the my investors' emails and everything visible to to them?
1: No. So the emails are not visible.
0: So they I, can't market our, because I've had this situation yeah. happen before because yes. because I, I am a handshake guy. Yeah. I've had. Some situation where I'm like, look, just don't market to future deals. And but here are the emails. You know, I'll send the email. I don't want to do the monthly correspondence. Here are the emails, but segregate it somehow. And then all of a sudden one of my investors tells me, hey, look, I I just got this email from so and so. Um, so some he used it, you know, but with this system, it would it sounds like yeah. it would protect it.
1: And so, uh, just a little bit of a company. Uh, before we we have five hundred GPs on the platform. We have more than ten thousand LPs. We have a hundred percent retention so far. Um, we have basic zero uh, percent churn. So it's like we we are with twenty X our revenue this year. Um, so we're doing extremely well. And so, um, so with that in, in as context as the backdrop, let me answer your question. Um, so as a GP. When they have a new deal, they cannot send a marketing email to your LPs. However, then why is that they can send monthly updates to your LPs? The trick is you can send emails without knowing the email address on the platform. All I'm saying is I can send to the investors on this deal. It doesn't mean I know their email address.
0: But they would still, the GP, the lead sponsor would still see the email address on the signed documents though, right? Good question. So then they could set up a new account within within their
1: database. Yeah. yeah, that's a fantastic point. So most of the legal documents does not have the email address in it. However, uh, most of the documents actually have a paper trail at the end. They will say so-and-so just log in, so-and-so just view the document, and then so-and-so just signed it. Uh, and my point is, you are absolutely right. From a... From a easy to you know, manipulate the data perspective, the GP cannot do it. At the end, if the GPs really want to do it, they will find a way, which right. is like go to the document, go to the very end, and then find all the you know paper trail. So I still recommend that the co-sponsors uh, sign actually a formal you know one-page document that just says you know we will not you know poach other GPs LPs you know. Uh,
0: you you provide that. That one-page document?
1: I I'm more than happy to provide that for the audience. If you email me at periacasho.portal.com. um, yeah, I, I'm more than happy to provide that. Um, there there is an argument to say, could we make that as part of the resources? Yeah, that's something I could. Yeah, think I mean,
0: about. Look, look, I um I'm, I'm a handshake guy, and I you know there's certain people that I've most. GPs are straight up and, you know, aren't going to do it. And some of them make mistakes, whatever, you know, they just, they they didn't mean to, they, they have it in their database and they don't have a good well segmented. Um, But, you know, I think it's short sighted because if you do that, then people don't want to work with you um, on future deals. But um, the anything that the software can do to, 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 Mm -hmm. you know, provide that, you know, protection. And maybe, maybe Mm -hmm. it's as simple as it doesn't even, you know, that the GP acknowledges something then, Mm. you know, that might make them nervous to, to not want to do it. Cause they, Hey, there's a, there's a record that he documented that he's not going to use this data, but in any event, I'm I'm, I'm going, I'm going on. What's the, what's the advantage. So I'm understanding the advantages to um, a a co-sponsor. Mm-hmm. What are the advantages to the GP and what are the advantages to, so when I say GP, the lead sponsor, and what are the advantages to the LPs?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So for the LPs, there is a way to fund the investment directly on a portal. Um, in other portals um you have to wire the money separately from the actual portal itself you have to do a chase you know wire transfer and right. that sometimes it could be 25 35 bucks right you can you can choose ACH funding and then you that will directly connect with the LP's bank account and then fund it Okay. so that's a big uh plus the
0: what's, second the ti- one, what's the timing you know i've seen ACH could be the next day yeah. or 3 days or what yeah. So the wire
1: is same day or next day. ACH funding takes about two to three business days. Okay. And then the other one and, and is- that,
0: you can, Hold on one second. So that one's free? ACH? Absolutely
1: free. So our uh, pricing is all inclusive. Um, it's based on equity under management. So the first million is $99. Then the second million is like 50 bucks more the third million is like 29 bucks more. And so if you raise say $30 million, which is a lot, like if you single-handedly, you know, raise 30 million, then, uh, it's only like 400, 300 bucks a month. All
0: right. Um, man, I got so many questions. So yes, please. (laughs) What if you as a co-sponsor have used your software, but then Mm -hmm. you're, partnering with somebody else that's the lead on something else uh, yeah. using a different software. The, yeah. You have all your, your investors in your database, yeah. but now you have to go and use yeah. their software? Yeah. Or does yours somehow work? What's
1: my it? take on it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and thank you for the question. Very, very good questions. Um, we have a ton of co-sponsors that actually use our software to raise their one to two million dollars. That is separate from the lead sponsor's portal. Now, why is that? Is, the,
0: is that like a fund-to-fund fund structure where where? No, they are literally just a co-sponsor. They're just a co-sponsor. They're they're not they're not doing a separate PPM and and everything and and yeah. raising the capital yeah. separately. Okay,
1: it's the same PPM. Uh, just to be clear, we also do fund of funds. We actually also do uh, customizable asset funds and then open ended and closed ended. We, we do both. Let's talk about. You are co-sponsor, and then the lead sponsor uses another portal. What do you do, right? Option one is you become a co-sponsor of that lead sponsor's portal. Right. But when you make when one makes that choice, the pros is that there's not much setup time to do. The con is that the LP will have to go to different portals to fetch their K ones. The other con is that the communication is not really centralized. And sometimes the LPs don't even know which link is that investment anymore after a while, right? And the and the third one is it felt like there's always that chance that's not intentionally that the context could be, you know, leaked on different portals and different lead sponsors, right? So there's that. So then that's the option one. Option two is that if you're raising, say, 1.5 million, out of the overall, you know, 15 million on yep. your own, on this deal, you're co sponsor you're not doing a funnel funds,
0: Right.
1: you can use Cashflow Portal to, for your $1.5 million raise. What happens is that there is one ledger line item on the lead sponsor's portal that says, Darren invested $1.5 million. right? That's Darren's account. Um, And then when they do distributions, they basically do the distribution, uh, you may have to create a bank uh, for the distributions, like a placeholder bank. They put the money in your bank and then you distribute to your own investors. So so that's that, okay?
0: Hold on, um, the documents. Yes, okay. How, I'm not the one signing the, the, the documents, Counter countersigning, it's the lead yeah. sponsor. How does that happen?
1: Great question. So uh, first of all, uh, I will pause here and say, uh, we take the legal documents that you provided and we actually put all the signature blocks on top of these legal documents for you. So that's actually the most painful thing that the co-sponsor doesn't want to do when they want to move to a new portal, right? But we do it, so that's no longer an issue. And we actually have, uh, I will explain in a second, we have digital test questionnaire that makes it super easy. When it comes to the countersign, we suggest that the lead sponsor basically put the signature there already, Okay. And then you as the co-sponsor will just be the one countersigning. Now, you can say, shouldn't the lead sponsor be the one countersigning? That's true, but they just basically pre-countersigning. The LP will sign, and then Darren, you are basically the approver of that. That's, That's perfectly right. legal. Talk to, any CP, uh, talk to any legal counsel about that.
0: Okay, right. gotcha.
1: So hey, you still so need I, a countersign, but it just happens that for your investors, you're the one countersigning. Right. But that's already been pre-countersigned by the lead sponsor.
0: So I saw mm-hmm. on your website um, that you had some, some deals, some GPs that raised, I mean, mm-hmm. some significant yeah. money. So, mm-hmm. you know, one, like how much money has been raised by, you know, your top... Um, GPS, mm-hmm. And then two, you know, what value are they seeing moving? Because these are not GPs that were not using a platform before. They, mm-hmm. they were coming from a different platform. They saw value in yours. What mm-hmm. was that value?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our, our customers have raised more than uh, multiple billions on the platform. Um, now, some of it is migrations. Some of it is that they are actually raising money uh, through the document signing. The biggest reason they move over, um, there is the product reason and then there's kind of the, the culture and the DNA reason, the, like the character of the company reason. The, the the product reason is that I believe we really focus on the LP ease of use and the GP ease of use. But when LPs are happy, it makes the GPs look good. And as a result, the GP think like, oh well, your, your platform is awesome.
0: Hey, so I'm gonna stop you right there because that is so true. There's so many times that you know, if if the process went easy, then the invest—it's a reflection on you as the co-sponsor or the lead sponsor. The investor's like, "Oh man, that was easy. I I I really liked that."
1: And And that's a common uh, refrain: is they raise 14 million dollars, they oversubscribe in basically you know uh, three days, and then not a single LP complaint. I couldn't use the portal. Like yeah. that's,
0: that's, that's huge good. That's because really a lot of other, I've been on some other ones that are like, man, this is so tough. Like it's just not, it's not working or it's like clunky or whatever. Yeah. Like, so yeah. that, that's, that's interesting.
1: So, we took painstaking effort to make sure the LP experience is good. So as an example, um, a regular subscription document consists of four parts. There is the questionnaire. There is the PPM. There is the subscription booklet. And then finally, there's the operating agreement, right? The the last three documents are actually deal specific. The first document are just questions from the SEC directly. They have nothing to do with the deal itself. They're just like information about the LP. What we do is we digitalize the first part. What that is, we ask them, you know, are you accredited? How are you accredited? And then if you're not accredited, uh, there's this information you need to fill out. We ask them, you know, like your address and so on. And once we get that information, it gets pre-populated on the legal document. So like if you invest 50,000, we pre-populate the 50,000 and we actually translate that to 50 units because we determine you can set, you know, how much is each unit equal to. The little things trip LPs up. They're like, I don't know how many units. Yeah. And then when they go to the W9 form, by the way, they're like, I'm an LLC, uh, depending on whether I'm a single proprietorship versus an LLC, I need to fill out the EIM versus the SSN, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Every LP goes through this. And so they're like, you can make them both optional. In that case, like, which one do I fill out? You can make them, there's no way to say, fill out exactly one of the two. There's no way to say that on a, right. on a, on a DocuSign, sign, Right. So what we do is we also digitalize the W9 form. So by the time they fill out both of them on the actual document is literally like four clicks and they're done. That's
0: awesome. And then
1: at the end, they're like, oh, it's, I, on the previous one, I spent like 20 minutes filling out. On this one, I spent two or three minutes. Like, no, did I just fill out? Did I invest 50,000? <laughs> that, that,
0: that's great because, you know, from, you know, from a, A capital raiser from a GP or co-sponsor's perspective, you could say, oh, what's the big deal between five minutes and 15 minutes? Well, I've had some investors that are like, hey, Darren, your deal looks good, but I just don't have the time. Mm -hmm. And so if in their mind, they're Mm -hmm. thinking to themselves, man, last time it was kind of a pain, Mm -hmm. you know, I just and I don't have that chunk of time to set aside for this, Mm -hmm. then they're just like, hey, I'm traveling. I can't deal with yeah. it, you know. I'm, yeah. uh, but if they're like, wow, that was a really smooth process, and I could, I could do this in the airport in five mm-hmm. minutes and be done, um, yeah. you know, then that could help. That could help get a deal done. I mean, so that's that's huge. Hey, on the um, mm-hmm. that process, mm-hmm. a couple mm-hmm. things. One, does it help? Another place I see investors get tripped up is, hey, Darren, man, there's like three or four. Out- Investor classes, which, mm-hmm. which class should, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. am I investing in? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that confuses them mm-hmm. sometimes because they, yeah. they, they looked at the investment deck maybe a week ago. They know mm-hmm. what type of investor class, but mm-hmm. now they're, they're online doing the documents and yeah. they're like, what yeah, class yeah. am I supposed to do? Right, right,
1: right. Super super easy. You have a drop down of picking which class. When you click on the class on the right hand side, it will show kind of the preferred return, and so that's a refresher. So,
0: so um, it'll it'll have what was in the investment deck as a kind of a something that you click on that you can see. Yeah, and yes, so exactly. you can see okay. Class A is all cash flow. Class B is mm-hmm. this this and that's mm-hmm. great. Um, um,
1: so the 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 reason that it works really similarly is. Um, I think some uh, portals actually send out three different links. It's like If you're like class A, click on this link. Class B, click on this link. Uh, we don't do that. It's a single link within it. They can choose which one costs. And then depending on which class they choose, it has a summary on the right-hand it has side. has a summary So right they there. can refresh. Yeah.
0: Perfect. All right. Yeah. Another another detailed question. Um, mm-hmm. When you're going through the document signing, mm-hmm. I'm, I just did one recently that mm-hmm. that didn't require th- through the the document signing didn't require the LP to put in their uh, bank information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then afterwards, I have to go back to the, each investor and say, hey, you have to log on again and put in your bank information so that we can get the ACHs to you. And it's a pain for, for me as the co-sponsor and it's also a pain for the LP. Mm-hmm. Do you kind of push that yeah. in front of people?
1: Great question. So we actually are on the camp right now that we don't ask for ACH distribution information. And the reason we do that is when they are investing, that is not a thing they remember off the top of their head. They have to log into Chase, you know, figure out that number and then put it in. And we consider that quote unquote friction to just get the deal done. What we do afterwards is that on the dashboard, there will be action items they need to populate in order to get their K1s or get their first distribution. We believe, based on uh, historical data, the LPs are very motivated to put in their bank account information if if that means that's the only way to get distributed. So that's point number one. Point number two is that the it's by default we don't ask for ACH information, uh, distribution information during the time of funding. That was a conscious decision because some GPs are like, I don't need that right now, so just get them to sign the document first. Number two, however, is the GP can actually customize the funnel to add that information at the end if they want to. So it's like a taco. ask for distribution information. And then in that case, those GPs will ask their LPs. And then they, because, you know, their, their point of view is that I have such a good relationship with my LPs. I don't mind asking for it. I don't mind them. Like they are not going to, it takes a lot of effort to even want to invest. So by the time they want to invest, they're going to put in their ACH information regardless. Uh, so, again, we are serving to, you know, we're serving a spectrum of customers. Right. What we can do is we make it customizable. That customization, by the way, is another point goes to to uh, to some GPs actually want people to wire the money before they countersign. Some GPs want to countersign before they wire the money. We support right. both. Right. But we it that you have to countersign before wiring the money. Uh, but you literally it's a toggle so I toggle it and then they have to wire the money and then you countersign last I step I
0: mean ha- yeah. and the thing is is the software is like mm-hmm. toggle it's just yeah. one little you know step yeah. for us but mm-hmm. it could be you mm-hmm. know worlds different in terms of coding and yeah. getting that to happen so if you don't think of it on the front end you know when you're designing it that mm-hmm. could be a major issue in terms of trying to implement that that flexibility going forward you
1: so. you asked me you know um some features that we have and you know what some differentiators i also want to talk about kind of again i i didn't mean this show to be almost no like you a- know what? I,
0: I i was gonna <laughs> split it between software and and investing but yeah. the thing is, yeah. is i think it's important because look mm-hmm. three four years ago mm-hmm. you know look i did my deal where Sign, sign the documents, scan it back in and send it to me. And then I, I coex, you know, that was the first syndication deal. Like there wasn't, you know, these portals and then, um, and they were costly at first and then it, that came down, but, um, there's still a lot that can be done. And, and so I, I, I love yep. the fact that you have all these, yep. all this flexibility.
1: So from a, um, culture perspective, uh I'm super proud and grateful for the the team members that we have. Um so some of the biggest reasons that actually the big customers that were like managing 200 300 million dollars of equity ma- management um move over is that um our engineering team is all in North America. In fact, um the if if we have to summarize my our biggest, you know, like uh strength is that there are not that many times in which Silicon Valley engineering bar is brought into commercial real estate. This is actually one of the very first few times. Our engineering team, um, five of them um, uh, went to University of Washington. Uh, two of them went to MIT. Uh, one went to University of Michigan. One went. Two people went to Duke. Uh, some people turned on Facebook to join us. Some people turned on Google to join us. Um, so it's basically a it's a Silicon Valley engineering team. Uh, and, you know, I'm super grateful for my experience. Is I used to be at Lyft, so I know these people. And because we are Y Combinator back, that has kind of some kind of weight to it that we hire the best folks. Um, and as a result, we're playing the long game, which means that, you know, none of those features which is I created out of thin air. It's like we create something that's cool. It doesn't really work. Let's make it better. So, you know, how is the product built? It doesn't appear, It just it's built pixel by pixel. Um, so um, it's not that we have the best product always, it's that we move probably one of the fastest, and as a result, we end up closer and closer to a really, really good product. And, and the customers see that. So that's from a character perspective that we really focus on innovation and we hire really good talent when, yeah, when, when we're designing these systems.
0: That's awesome, mm-hmm. um, and and you are coming from the space, so you understand the pain points. So <laughs> you know, yes. What is you know if, if you're going to like marketing terms, like what mm-hmm. what's what's like the hook? What's the the secret sauce? What's the the major differentiator between you and others? I know we talked about a lot mm-hmm. of the feature function, um, but yeah.
1: The, the the biggest hook is that it makes the gps look professional it's very very easy to use and modern and we have excellent support
0: so can you actually call somebody on support and and yeah. get somebody on the phone
1: yeah what well, a well, great question so what would do <laughs> that
0: frustrates we... me to no end with software companies is that you, yeah. they don't publish a, a phone number anymore and mm-hmm. you can't get you could chat with somebody or you can you know, yep. send them an email. But sometimes I just want to talk to somebody.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, great question. So what we do is we create a WhatsApp group for the sponsor to that, um, that's doing the migration and whatnot. And when you have a new deal, you will have different co-sponsors on it. You can create a new WhatsApp group with the, just that one deal. So then you can invite all your co-sponsors into that chat group that's dedicated to you. And then so within it, you can say things like, you know, I have X, Y question. We usually respond within an hour to two hours. And if it's a bug, we usually fix it in 24 hours. Uh, that's a big differentiator. Now you can say, you know, if within WhatsApp, you can actually speak into the microphone, right? That's uh, some people just don't like typing. And then sometimes it's like, well, we don't exactly cannot produce the bug. Let's go on a call. We'll send a calendar link within like 30 minutes and then you can book it right there and then for maybe later that day or the next day. So um, support is our way to gain customer feedback and so we can iterate on the product. A big point to make is all, our support is all in North America and they actually went to like University of Toronto and like really good universities. Um, and But at the end of the day, this is my you know geek engineering mindset which is that you can have the best support but if the engineering cannot fix the problem no amount of good customer service helps to be fair we have excellent customer service and we are very on top of things but what's more important is the support is tightly integrated with engineering they speak in the same language like they are not just like support to do support they're actually support to improve the product and so, as a result, the product improves, so then other GPS don't have to ask the same question,
0: yeah, I mean, that's huge. I mean, I can't tell you about how many I'm sure you've gone through it too. you, mm-hmm. you know you talk to big companies, and it doesn't even matter. You feel like you're talking to deaf ears, <laughs> you know, because I can tell you all things and and they, they probably heard it a million mm-hmm. times, but they don't have any channel to actually create change. Yeah. so it's Friction with the customer and frustration with the customer. But the customer service person is like, you know, I, I I'm just an employee here and I'm, yeah. I got my hands tied. And, you know, mm-hmm. I hear you and I'm sorry that you feel that way, but really there's nothing I can do.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that really sucks. Yeah. Um, the other, the other um, uh, scenario in which people don't like support is, you know, All of us are, you know, a lot of, most GPs are type A personality. They're very, you know, um, competent. Uh, The reason they're in multifamily is they basically graduate from single family. And so by definition, like all the GPs are probably the top 1% in terms of real estate knowledge and just, you know, drive. And the worst thing that can happen is like you explain things in a very clear and nuanced term. And then the other side, they just don't get it. They ask the questions like, you should have gotten this like why do you even ask this question so um it's it's a different kind of support It's not a uh, no um, it's it has to be a very educated um, and very high competent support team.
0: that's awesome. Yeah. hey, so let me ask you this uh, one, I remember I man it's probably two or three years ago when you sent out um, mm-hmm. and, you know you were you were raising capital for your company I wish I had, <laughs> I wish I had invested. Um, For sure. But hey, now that we're in more challenging times, you know, uh, both higher interest rates, uh, you know, inverted yield curve, we're going in, you know, everyone's talking about a recession coming, you know, technology valuations are down, people are, you know, big tech companies are starting to lay people off. Um, How does that impact kind of the, the next raises for your company?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for that. Uh w- since we raised, you know, last round, um, you know, our revenue has, you know, um thirty something X, right? Um, so that's good. Our <laughs> so that's
0: good, yeah, I would yeah, say
1: the valuation um I will say probably only uh doubles. Um so so that's that, right? So uh so so that's that. So you to some degree our investors in the company um, understood that if they invest in any angel investment in the last couple of years, um, the valuation hasn't gone up, even if the company does really well. In fact, the fact that the company is able to survive is amazing news to them, right? right. And those angel investors and VCs are playing the long game, right? Uh, one thing to re, uh, really important for the people who are into angel investing is- uh, this is a, uh, a amazing fact. Is they actually don't care about doubling their money. They want to 100x their money. Right. So uh, the fact that you know um, it's the valuation gone down, it doesn't. It's actually a perfect time for them to invest. So as an example, um, if someone evaluates a startup at a hundred million dollar valuation versus a seventy million dollar valuation, uh, they want to own twenty percent of the company. 20% of 100 million is 20 million. Uh, 20% of, say, 80 million is uh, 16 million. There's a $4 million difference. To the VCs, that $4 million difference is a chump a, a, a change because the the reward of being right is that they uh, 100x their investment. The risk of being wrong is that they lost $4 million. Fine. That to them is fine. And so that's why the vC care more about the ownership of the company than about how much they're investing It was a very very interesting concept for me is that they're not trying to find you know squeeze the little out of people they're trying to uh they the the ability to identify the right startup is way more important than the fact that they have to put in two more million dollars right right and so so that means um when it comes to the race um at the end, the great companies are a weighing machine. Eventually, they they will get the funding they needed. And the fact that, you know, we have data from Y Combinator, uh, which is um, it's 1.8% to get accepted into YC. And then once you get accepted, there is a one out of the seven companies went on to be worth at least $150 million or more as a company. And then all of the companies that are worth $150 million or more um, 27% of them went on to become billion-dollar companies. So as soon as someone gets accepted into YC, historically, there is a 4% chance that they eventually become a billion-dollar company.
0: So now, let, let me ask you two questions, one of which I know the answer, but I want to hear it from you. Yeah. Um, what do you think? One is, do you think that you your company is one that will fall into that 4%? And mm-hmm. then secondly is... You know are you still taking angel investors and and um you know how does that work?
1: yeah, great question so um I absolutely want we want to go iPO where I think we there's a ton of a roadmap that we want to build and one of the things actually the one of the yC partners told me um which is basically our mentor within y c um they 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 made a comment that uh, they consider uh me. Th- kind of the top 10% of founders within the batch. Now, obviously, I don't know if they say it to everyone and whatnot, but I, I consider that a compliment. So if I'm in the top 10%, that means we'll probably be worth at least $150 million. You know, again, this is not correlated directly. That's just, you know, what they said. But I do see that our trajectory has been really, really good in the last uh, a couple of years. So that's point number one. Um, and the reason that we could become a billion-dollar company is that there are billion-dollar company investor portals. And there is so much other things we could build. Cash flow portal, portal is just the feature. Cash flow is the brand. We will have cash flow KPIs that allow people to put in the KPI. And then the monthly updates is just automatically generated from that KPIs. We have cash flow um, underwriting, right? Uh, that allows folks to underwrite and just project different scenarios using software instead of a spreadsheet. We have KPI uh, bank. Imagine you can just create a bank on a software layer that every co-sponsor has their own bank or whatever. You can have a credit card that's being used for this particular real estate syndication to gain credit card points. So there is, this is a decade long journey, right? So yes, I am confident. So we're no longer doing investor portal um, in, in the purest sense. We are still working on it um, and we're still spending 90%, but we are building it in a way that allow us to extend beyond investor portal, if that makes sense. Still, our customers are the GPs. What, what else does the GP need? GPs need to raise more money. GPs need operational efficiency. And GPs just want to achieve good returns.
0: Right? What does that mean beyond investor portal? Yeah.
1: So a typical investor portal nowadays is the, is the signing documents, capital management distributions, email updates, and K-1s. When we have all of those. But a typical investor portal today does not have bank creation, entity creation, um, does not have KPIs, does not necessarily have underwriting spreadsheet, does not have a marketplace in which the GPs can tap into to raise extra money.
0: And... Well, I mean, crypto's in the in the tank right now, but mm-hmm. I mean, I see that an opportunity for digitization and tokenization helping, say, provide more liquidity to, say, LP shares, you know, um, going forward. Is that kind of in the thought process as well? Yeah.
1: The tokenization of, uh, of the documents, the token, the fractionalization of shares is definitely in the long term roadmap, uh, yeah. not in the short term roadmap. Right. But it's, it's something. Um now for the second question about investments, obviously it's a file six B, so um but right now we're not. Um sometime next year we probably should should do another round. Very
0: cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and definitely can keep you updated.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I, I didn't mean I was gonna have this this episode be like split between he is invested in, you know, as a GP in over a thousand units, so he is a multifamily investor as well. But um, I thought it was important because I don't have many people like yourself come on that mm-hmm. has all this experience. And, and there's, you know, there's a handful of options and I've mm-hmm. used a num, you know, a number of them. And, there, you know, there's kind of pain points in in each one of them. Mm-hmm. So you you hit on a bunch of them. Um, thank
1: you I, I, I very astute observations as well about different pain points that's correct and honestly uh, that's why i'm very grateful i'm a gp cuz there's a difference of understanding these pain points on a, on a intellectual level it's another way to understand it in a visceral level right <laughs> right
0: yeah you're actually do, actually doing it and and understanding from the different perspectives the lp the lead gp the co-sponsor i mean there's there's different people that are that are involved in the process. So um, what about you, like you started in this company, like where do you go from here? Is your, you know, what's kind of your next big stretch goal?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, a great question. So um, I am spending 99% of my time on a company, um, less than 1% on my own syndications. Um, sometimes I woke up uh, wishing that I'm not a GP. <laughs> and the reason is that uh, when I'm a GP, there could be a misconception, for example, that like, oh, am I just building the company to take all the LPs and then so I can raise more money? Mm. The answer is absolutely uh, mm. no, because there is one version that's building a billion dollar company. There's another version I raise, you know, extra $2 million, make extra 200K. Right.
0: Like,
1: which one do I choose? So that's number one. Now, do I? Interesting. I, still I didn't
0: become, even th- I didn't even think about that, but yeah, I could yeah. I see yeah. Somebody
1: now do important. do uh, do I um, continue to be a GP? Um, and the answer is every year I probably still do one small deal, like a five six million dollar raise. And at this point, I can easily raise the money, and uh, capital raising has always been my strength, and uh, it provides two things. The first thing it provides is it forced me to be always a customer of the product, which is very, very helpful. And then, by the way, uh, there's a company called Gusto or Gusto, Gusto. It's a payroll company. And uh, it's also a Y Combinator alumni. And the CEO actually uh, runs the payroll every two weeks himself, uh, which is crazy. And why did he do that? He said... I need to do that so that I'm still in touch with the product, right? The, the, our entire product is running payrolls, so I need to be running my own payroll. Uh, so, so, same here. I w- w- want to do that. And the second is it does provide some uh, depreciation uh, for my own tax purposes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, so yeah, ninety nine percent is gonna be on the software. Um, again, you know, we are um, we are growing extremely fast and there's a, there's a lot of work. Uh, you so, know, like I told you is all the nice things, all the, all the other things. Are yeah, like, yeah. Well, that's, the things are breaking right now.
0: That, that's <laughs> the thing is like, you know, um, well, thank you for doing, look, I I'm an entrepreneur and I know that there's, there's a ton of things that go on behind the scenes that nobody else sees, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. that you have to, to test and test and it breaks and it doesn't work. And then you have to re reconfigure to get it to where it's a smooth process for the end consumer. And, you know, I appreciate that you've done that because, and you continue to do that. Um, And I appreciate that you are investing in customer service and, um, and support because I just, I think that that's a missed opportunity with software companies that, Mm-hmm. They're dropping the ball. They're coming out with, with very good products, but they're pissing a lot of people off because when there's an issue, they can't get it resolved and it impacts their business. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that you have that focus. Um, Thank you. Thank what, do you, what do you like to do outside of work for fun?
1: Yeah, um, I like to travel. I'm a foodie, uh, likes to check out good restaurants. Um, recently, a lot of Michelin star restaurants when I go to New York City. I like to play poker. I'm a big, oh, um, <laughs> I'm a big uh, credit card person as well. I Have like fifteen something credit cards. Um, why? Why do you like, like having so many credit cards? cards? Uh, because you can earn points. <laughs> yeah, that gamification.
0: Look, you know when you start earning, you're a multifamily investor. You're a CEO, <laughs> founder of the software company that's growing to never, never land, and <laughs> and you're still talking about points.
1: Now, my number one feedback on the credit card points is that eventually it you loses your money in, in terms of opportunity costs. And Ed actually always made a joke that my, as my real estate business partner that yo, you, you, you lost way more money in credit card points than whatever points you get. It's, um, maybe it's the same mindset, which is I'm not actually doing the company for, to become wealthy or whatnot. I can technically you know, retire anytime. Uh, even without this company. Um and that's why I went to multifamily. And so the same way I like credit card points. It's it's more that I like to I like the game of it. Yeah. Like I want to solve the problem. And and then it just turned out that the problem just keeps increasing in complexity. But I still still want to solve it. And as as we talk to more users, um see their pain points and now you know we're talking to we were talking to sponsors that, you know, raise, you know, anywhere between zero to uh, $50 million. And now we have customers that have more than $200, $300 million of equity under management. And then, um, you know, they they need different things. And yeah. so the problem never ends. And that that pursuit of solving problems is, is probably what drives me.
0: That's, that's awesome. No, I, I love that. Um, so how do people reach out to you, get to know about you know, your company, your uh, your work as a GP, you know, mm-hmm. are there different avenues? What's, you know, how do people yeah. reach out?
1: Yeah, the best way is just you can email me at perry at casualportal.com. If you want to schedule a demo, just go on the website, casualportal.com. On the upper right-hand corner, there's a button called Schedule demo. Demo. Uh, and you will talk to our team members. If there, if you say, hey, ask for Perry, uh, I, I if I can make it, I'll definitely show up on a demo as well.
0: Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you spending the time to, to develop this. And uh, listeners, I hope you, you got a lot out of that. Probably more on the on the GP side than the LP side. But as Perry mentioned, I have seen that the fact that it's an easy process for the LP is very, 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 very important. So until next week, sign off. Thanks, Perry. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend.